it is so important, man, that um, young preachers, you know, faithfully, while you're trying to learn, also uh, be encouraged to find your own voice, you know, and to find your own slot and to, and to find your own footing, you know, and realize, you know, um, who you are and what the Lord has gifted you with and use that um, and not so much try to mimic the rhetorical skills of others that the Lord may not have, you know, particularly gifted you with. Yeah. Hi, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 155. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And the voice that you just heard is Pastor Tony Carter. Uh, he leads East Point Church in East Point, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. And in this conversation, we speak about like finding your own voice and the challenges and pitfalls that come in the journey of a preacher discovering their own voice and essentially growing in confidence. And for the second half of the conversation, there's some incredibly valuable stuff in there about the necessity of training up new preachers within the local church and then also, Tony gives some really practical tips and also encouragements for us to be doing it in our congregations and in our local contexts. All right, this is a great conversation, and I'm going to get out of the way so that you get to hear it for yourself. I hope that this podcast and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. I am thrilled to be speaking with Pastor Tony Carter. Uh, Tony, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Oh, good morning, Mike, and uh, thanks for having me. Hey, man, I'm, 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 really, I'm really excited. We've been emailing back and forth for quite a while. Uh, the the, uh, the suspense has been building. I've been really looking forward to talking to you. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you know, the first time, and I've said a tiny bit of this, I haven't like told you the whole reason or the whole, the whole backstory. So I, I heard you first on, on the very good um, H.B. Charles uh, podcast on, on preaching. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you guys were talking about Jonah. And, right. and I love Jonah. I've, I've taught Jonah like, Three times, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, to three different to three different uh, groups, you know, not to the same people. <laughs> three times in a row. How many right. times have you taught Jonah? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, roughly, I want to say um, how many times I've preached through Jonah? Four, maybe five. Yeah, four or five times. Okay. Well, I was feeling a little bit sheepish about preaching it three times, but now yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel fine. I feel fine. Yeah. So I, I just, I listened in cause, cause like I said, I like, I like Jonah and I was like, this, this is great. This guy is great. Who is this, this Anthony Carter guy? Oh, wow. um, so wow. I really, I really enjoyed that conversation and, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And that, this kind of happens. And, um, and then, uh, about a, a week or two later, I was, um, going to guest speak at a, a friend's church, and I was assigned a passage. Um, he, he asked me to preach from Psalm 20. And I was traveling, so I didn't have all my books with me. And I was like, well, I you know, should look up some stuff online. And I downloaded, uh, I went to thirdmill.com or thirdmill.org and yeah, just downloaded, yeah. I typed in Psalm 20 and yeah. uh, just downloaded the first two or three um, sermons on there. And I'm you yeah. know, driving, listening to them in the car. And the very first person that I downloaded um, was Anthony Carter. And I was listening to Psalm 20. I'm like, this is so good. This is oh, so wow. good. And I like, was like, who is this? And I like checked my phone and then wrote it down. And I think it was Anthony Carter on the podcast, on the sermon, and then Tony Carter. And I was like, wait, is this the same guy? And it was. So you have like surprise blessed me like, you know, twice in the period of one month. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy. So oh, that's awesome. I, I wasn't aware that Third Meal had that up. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a, a, a great one on Psalm 20. And it was just what I needed. And, you know, so 
So thanks. I ended up not actually even preaching, uh, but I was personally <laughs> blessed by it. So, well, as the Lord, as the Lord would have it, right? Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed thinking I was going to preach on Psalm twenty, and I enjoyed the beginning of like digging into the text and listening to a few sermons on it and digging in that process. So, mm, awesome. Uh, so that's that's that wasn't your most recent sermon, but that was one of the more recent ones. It was from the beginning of COVID, and so you were talking about like face coverings and you know smiles being unable to be seen. But you were speaking about like the pleasure of God and and His. You know, we might not see His smile, but He's smiling upon us, and it's really really encouraging. Awesome, man. Yeah, Psalms for the seasons. Now I remember uh, yeah. Psalms for the seasons of COVID. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I actually, you know, I ended up, I actually got COVID that week. <laughs> so it oh, was, wow. it, it encouraged so me. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why I didn't preach that Sunday was, um, yeah, my wife, my wife, all of a sudden she was like drinking coffee and she was like, she's like, Mike, I, I can't smell this. Can you smell this? And I'm like, I can't smell it either. We, we better go t- get tested. And, uh, so we had COVID. And so because of that, I didn't do the guest speaking at the place and. But anyway, it was all part of the Lord's plan to make me listen to that sermon. <laughs> yes, as the Lord would have it. That's right. So that was a sermon from 2020. So what I want to ask is like, uh, Tony, can you remember your very first sermon? You, what was your first sermon that you preached? Can I remember it? Uh, I wish I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember it. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was rather... To say it, to put it kindly, interesting, I guess. Um, I preached um, from um, Mark 11 on have faith in God, right? Okay. And um, Sounds good so far. Yeah, that, that's about where the good, <laughs> the good part ended. And so um, I think I preached for about an hour and a half, you know, hour and 15 minutes. Oh, I'm all man. over the place. And... Um, you know, and just saying everything um, that I could possibly say uh, about anything. And um, yeah, it wasn't a disaster, but um, let's just say I'm glad it wasn't recorded. Wow. Wow. <laughs> An hour and a half, man. That is. Yeah. And I did it all from memory, man. I, I Yeah, I did it all just. Uh, yeah, it was. So, do you mean you didn't bring notes up with you? No, 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 oh, no. Well, maybe no. you should have. <laughs> right, exactly. I say that all the time. I, I tell young preachers that if um, if you don't plan what you say, you're gonna say what you don't plan. And yeah. so, uh, <laughs> you know, you need to plan out what you're gonna say. So mm-hmm. just to keep yourself from putting your foot in your mouth too many times, yeah. and uh, I put my foot in my mouth quite a bit that day. And um, I remember afterwards, um, uh, one of the older preachers there came up to me. He says, son, you know, you don't have to preach the whole Bible in one, in, in one sermon. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I had scripture references for everything all over the place. So it was, yeah. <sighs> so, okay. So it sounds like, like you got feedback, which is good. Um, how did how did you feel? I guess the question when you when you got down from the pulpit or or from behind the music stand or whatever, like how did you feel it went? Did you kind of feel like oh, I was a bit long, um, or did you feel like man I nailed it? No, I, I felt like it was it was long. I felt it was longer than I had um, thought that it would be. Uh, but in that context, you know, um, you know, in a in that Black Baptist you know, church context, um, you know, they are so encouraging of young Hmm. preachers, you know, and so everybody was so kind, everybody was so encouraging. Um, And so from that standpoint, you know, I thought it was pretty good. But the more that I began to preach and learn what preaching is and to study the scriptures and learn how to interpret the scriptures, I realized that, you know, that thing was just awful. Um, But, um, you know, the people in the church, they were so gracious and, and encouraging through it all. So I got the, um, you know, the assurance that it was a lot better than it really was. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you said, you said that they're, you know, um, that church is very encouraging of, of young preachers. Right. Uh, how, how young were you? So I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't, a, um, 
a child preacher or anything like that. I was in college, you know, so I was, matter of fact, I was um, transitioning between schools. And so I was in my early 20s. Okay. And um, so I wasn't that. Um, I was a novice, you know, to the whole um, idea of Bible study and Bible reading and things like that. Um, But I wasn't, yeah, I was a young man. Okay. Yeah. And did you get a chance to preach there again soon after or, or ever? I did. Um, I did get a chance to preach there again later on. Um, and by that time, I was, you know, a little bit more seasoned. Um, but I remember uh, my second sermon after that was maybe a, a year or so later. And... Um, I kind of realized what my um, shortfalls were. Yes. And so um, the second sermon I preached was a lot better. And that was because it was um, a sermon that I had heard Dr. Tony Evans preach. And I basically <laughs> okay. preached what he preached verbatim from um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. And I had listened to that sermon, you know, man, numerous times. And by that time, I had had it, you know, down. And um, and so when I preached, you know, I add a little bit of my own kind of flavor to it. But um, for the most part, it was it was Tony Evans uh, <laughs> verbatim. So I could say that one was a lot better than my first one. <laughs> OK, yeah, yeah, it, it has to be. Wow. Now, did did. Nobody knew, right? No, no, nobody, nobody, nobody knew that. Nobody yeah, commented on yeah. that. But, you know. That was the, the travails of a young minister uh, trying yeah. to find so do his you, feet. Do you endorse and find his voice? That kind of plagiarism these days. And endorse it? Uh, no, I don't endorse it. What I do recommend is that um, young preachers listen to preachers. Okay, you know, and um, when you do that, particularly young, and you don't have a lot of guidance, and I didn't have a lot of guidance, you know, um, then you may fall into that. That trap. I mean, that's understandable. You listen yeah. to guys long enough, you're going to sound like them. You're going to repeat the things that they say. And yeah. if you don't have any guidance on how to kind of, um, you know, work with that with that type of scenario, then uh, you very easily will find yourself, um, you know, saying the things that they say. You know, and so sure. You know, yeah. I don't I don't endorse that per se, but I do endorse you know spending time with you know, listening to other preachers. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to, going to bring that up because I, um, I heard you on a, on an older, older episode of the, the front porch uh, podcast. And you were talking about that you, you do like to listen to sermons online, um, on the same passage, <clears throat> much like myself. And you said, sometimes it's like people that you knew and people you didn't know, you just want to hear these different, different takes on it. And obviously, like I said, that's exactly what I did. That's how I've come right. across yeah. you, come across you. Yeah, that's fascinating. Is that still is that still your practice? Yes, it is. And most of the time, it's preachers that I don't know. Um, really? I just really? yeah. Most times, preachers that I don't know. Um, yeah, because I like to I like to get um, I like to see what other people are seeing. One to confirm that you know what I'm seeing is not you know so unique. You know, that it could be just, you mm-hmm. know, um, something that is totally, um, you know, foreign to the text. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm saying the things that others are saying, seeing the things that others are seeing, you know. And two, also, um, I like to see how not only what they see, but I like to see the various ways that people express it. I like to hear the various voices and the yeah. experiences that that particular text might pull out of people, um, and so that just, you know, it's encouraging me. It, it helps me devotionally, you know, as well as, um, you know, professionally. And so I still do that every week, just about every week. Yeah, um, I, I've, that's something that I've, because generally, well, back when things were normal, um, I would have my, try to have my sermon done or mostly done by Friday. And then on Saturday, I, I would, you know, cut the grass or just do chores. And I'd open up the, you know, Apple Podcast app. And then I would just like search for my section of scripture on there. 
And then it, it just brings up all of the podcasts that have that. Type. Maybe you do the same thing. Yeah, um, I go to Sermon Audio and um, okay, and listen to pull up a passage that I'm working on, and and then scroll through it and see if anybody's got a catchy title for my. Um. <laughs> yeah, because titles are hard. <laughs> yeah, yes they are. Yes they are. They are hard. And so if somebody's uh, got an interesting title for my passage, I was like, ah, oh, I wonder how you worked that out. And so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I I would just find like, uh, well, I think Sermon Audio like almost probably has a little bit more and maybe I I don't know, but like, do they have more boundaries or parameters or is there some kind of vetting process that you need to be to be on Sermon Audio or do they let anybody on? You know what? That's a good question. Apple Podcast, man, it could be anyone. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that is is true. That is true. Yeah. and I, and I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, I would I, think that um, Sermon Audio has a vetting process that mm-hmm. um, before they upload. Um, now, I'm not totally familiar with the workings and the going on sure. of Sermon Audio, so I don't know. Uh, Nor, exactly. yeah, I'm just, it's just an assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's sometimes it's, you know, I, you know, to listen to even just somebody get it just totally wrong, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, to, uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, cutting the grass, listen to some dude just <laughs> allegorize everything. And it's yeah. just, it's just kind of like, it's a frustrating experience, but just to be like, okay, well, you know, turns out I'm right, <laughs> you know, or it's, I've considered this other way of looking at it and this is just utter nonsense, but it, it kind of also causes me to be thinking through things be like, well, Am I sure my interpretation is right? Yes, I am, because I'm hearing this and I completely disagree with it. But, you know, there might be a sentence here or there that's, that's valuable, even in the most surprising of places. But I do that only after I have my main stuff written. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, okay. So, and then, of course, there's also thirdmill.org, which is probably much more vetted than... Apple Podcasts, uh, yes, and, very much so. <laughs> yeah, and sermon audio, and then it's even more <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of niche or, or oh, specific. I'm sure about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so well, thanks, Tony. So that's that's cool. I'm 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 glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that. So like, I guess so. A lot you've grown a lot as a preacher since since you were 20. Yes. And yeah, I, I, one of the most obvious things is like your your sermons are are pretty short. Um, obviously, when you compare them to an hour and a half. But uh, you know the the ones that I've been been listening to, they're all they seem to clock in at about thirty minutes or or even under. Um, it, so that's probably a deliberate choice um, to be reducing the length. Well, I think you probably clocked in on uh, COVID, hmm. and so during COVID, because a lot of it was you know recorded and hmm. people weren't present okay. as much. So then I tried deliberately to kind of make those sermons shorter. Normally, I, you know, if you were to tell um, the people at our church that I preach short sermons, they, they would probably ask you, <laughs> you know, when did you start listening? But uh, um, so you probably clocked in on those COVID sermons, particularly in last year. Um, normally, my sermons go 40, 45 minutes. Is that right? I try. Okay. I try to keep it under um, 45 minutes. Um, they frequently go over, but I try to keep it under 45 minutes. I think a good sermon, um, you know, 35 to 40 minutes. I mean, you, you, yeah, you should be able to preach a good, a good solid, um, you know, encouraging, informative, faithful sermon of a text within that time frame. I'm always, you know, one of my favorite persons to, to learn from. And one of my professors in seminary was Sinclair Ferguson. And um, one of the things that I'm always just so encouraged by with Dr. Ferguson is um, his ability to say a lot in a short period of time. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and, and you listen to him for 30 to 40 minutes and you feel like that, um, wow, he's covered uh, much uh, of that text in that short period, and, um, and I think I think that's something that um, younger preachers could could think about. Um, longer is not always better. Um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I along with probably a lot of people, maybe my age, um, were really influenced by you know a lot of uh, let's say. Preachers from Seattle in the early 2000s right, um, right. Who, who, who would preach for an hour and a half. Yes. And, and it worked, you know, yes. or, or it was, and, and 
And so, you know, hearing that and thinking, that's that's great, you know, I, I can't wait to bless my congregation with an hour and a half right. of content. <laughs> and I think I think there needs to be, you know, a, a certain number, you know, just like skill set or, you know, if you want to call it an anointing or just a cultural zeitgeist or something that kind of like permits that sort of thing. Right. But I think that's definitely the exception rather than the rule. And it's editing is often an act of love that we're showing <laughs> to our people. That is, that is true, Mike. Um, not everybody can, um, you know, can preach well for an hour and a half. Um, and so I think you're right. A lot of people in, in mimicking um, you know, certain folks, certain people uh, with certain amount, with a certain skill set and uh, rhetorical ability mm-hmm. would try to mimic that, not having that rhetorical ability or skill set. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so whereas the original person um, might have been able to communicate in a way that is encouraging, um, those who try to mimic him, you know, are more discouraging. Uh, to the people who are having to listen to them than not. And so it is so important, man, that um, young preachers, you know, faithfully, while you're trying to learn, also uh, be encouraged to find your own voice, you know, and to find your own slot and and to find your own footing, you know, and realize, you know, um, who you are and what the Lord has gifted you with, you know, and... um, and use that um, and not so much try to um, mimic the rhetorical skills of others that you know, the Lord may not have, you know, particularly gifted you with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard you mention elsewhere, and, and we were talking before we hit record, that you've, you've taught some kind of like classes and churches that were geared towards like teaching younger or newer uh, preachers. So I'd, I'd love to hear about that and then maybe specifically kind of follow up on what you just said. Like, what do you think are the, the any more temptations that younger or newer preachers are, are facing? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, probably more than, uh, probably more than anything, um, because of the, um, the way that sermons um, by others are so readily available, you know, um, and the fact that um, we have a culture where, um, you know, we kind of lionize certain preachers and, um, you know, preachers have large platforms, you know, and so, um, and we easily can get enamorate with, you know, certain preachers. And I think that the biggest pitfall is that young preachers are trying to be um, people that they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're they're trying to um, they're trying to imitate the preachers who have big platforms and almost with the idea that oh wow that's how you get to that big platform um, rather than um, you know being faithful as being the ultimate goal faithful to God and faithful to use the gifts that God have you have given you uh, for His glory uh, wherever that platform might lead. The most difficult thing, I think, is to find your own voice, you know, to find your own voice. And with so many voices out there, uh, it almost is difficult. Uh, But the most faithful preachers are those who uh, find their voice and the experiences that the Lord has given them. And then that voice is preached through those experiences, um, you know, for the glory of God. Um, I think that's. That's where um, young preachers probably find the most pitfalls, yeah, and how they have to be encouraged not to, yeah, yeah, and and also realizing that that it's a challenge sometimes to to find your own voice. Yes, when, it is. When the other voices, I mean, just even look at your own story. Your first sermon, right? That was that was your voice. <laughs> your second service sermon, sermon right. that was Tony Evans' that voice, was Tony Evans and voice. it was a lot better. Yes, that's right. That's so, right. You have to realize, yeah, I mean, we're acknowledging that there's the challenge, too. Yes, that the challenge. That the challenge of, like, of taking your authentic voice and, you know, doing the work yourself and, you know, then editing <laughs> and then presenting it. It's, it's, it's harder work. It's, it's almost riskier. But the payoff, the reward is that it's, it's the real you with your real people. 
And it comes through, it comes through preaching. It comes through, um, you know, you have to preach. Um, that's the only way you're going to find your voice. I remember, um, you know, playing sports and um, one of my coaches would always tell me, uh, the only way to get better at, at football is to play football. You know, the only way you're going to get better at basketball, you got to play basketball, you know. And, um, and as you know, the only way you're going to get better at preaching and find your voice is you have to preach, you know, and you have to, you know, you have to go through that, that trial and error. You have to go through those stages in which you know, your, voice, your voice is developed, you know, um, your, your personality in preaching um, is developed. And um, and so so that's why it's so important that young preachers be in a, an atmosphere, be in a community where they are allowed to do that, where they are allowed to preach and they are allowed to uh, develop their, their voices like that. Um, unfortunately, uh, some people have to do that on their own and it becomes a, a bigger struggle um, than it is for others. But I think the ideal way is that um, you are in a community, you are in a place where um, you are allowed and you are encouraged, you know, to develop your own voice in preaching. Uh, so how how can that, like, so let's let's so let's speak to the to let's say the older pastors that that might be listening, you know, and there there could be younger people in their in their church or in their ministry that they're trying to to. They want to see them raised up, but yet there's the real risk of, well, if I give that person a Sunday morning, you know, what if they go for an hour and a half or what if it's, <laughs> what if it's terrible? And, you know, I, I find delegation to be a real challenge. I'm trying to grow as a, as a delegator um, because, you know, I, I could just do it myself. Why would I have somebody else do it? And I think a lot of people can view the pulpit in that way. Why should I let somebody young have it? They'll only mess it up. Or I've, I've worked so hard to get the church to this level. And if I let this person have it, even for one Sunday, it's going to ruin it. Um, could you speak to, to the older grumpy people that aren't going to, that say you're going to pry this pulpit out of my cold, dead hands? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, um, unfortunately, that is a reality in, in some places that you're right. That is a reality in some places. The first thing I would say is to um, to realize that the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is to be able to, uh, if the Lord tarries, to hand off that ministry and to hand off that ministry in a way that that ministry is healthy. And, um, you know, the generation that comes behind would be able to find that you had been faithful. And uh, if you deny the reality of that, if you deny uh, the necessity of that, then that is not being faithful. That just is not being faithful. If you are not uh, preparing and able uh, to hand that, you know, that ministry off when the time comes and for it to be in a healthy and a good spot uh, because you have lorded over <laughs> that, that ministry, then, you know, despite what you might be thinking, you are not being faithful in that, you know, um, Faithfulness is being able to hand it to the next generation, you know, as seamlessly as possible so that, um, you know, they can say, you know, um, so that you could say that those who come behind me will find us, that we have been faithful. So that's the first thing I would say, you know, to the older guy. Evaluate what, you, what really faithfulness is here. You know, um, faithfulness is not lording it over. Yeah. And it's not gripping onto it so tight. That's right. That's right. It's not holding on to that thing so tightly, you know, that they have to pry it away from you. And then they find that after you're gone, they have to totally rebuild it, you know, and um, and find out, you know, um, all the all the tragedy that has been left in the wake, all the tragedy that's left in the wake of that. Um, and so with that said, you know, I strongly encourage that find ways. You know, I don't I don't recommend that. Um, you know, you just hand over Sunday morning one one day to a novice preacher at all. I don't recommend that at all, um, you know, because at that point you might have to come back and, and do a lot of more damage control <laughs> than is necessary. But I do think that there needs to be ways in which in that local church they are able to develop preaching voices, whether that is doing um, 
you know, special evening services, doing uh, midweek services, you know, opportunities that are developed for um, young preachers in order to to exercise and really to evaluate, to see, okay, well, you may say that you're called, but if nobody else is identifying that call, that God is not confirming that call in anybody else's ears, then we might need to reevaluate, you know, if you're really hearing, hearing that call. If God has called you to preach, then he's also called people to hear. And so, and so um, we got to make sure that both of those callings are lining up. And you can do that in, in different ways and develop settings in which that takes place. That's encouraging for them as healthy as well. And, you know, another thing that, um, you know, I strongly encourage, you know, a young preacher who was first starting out, I always tell them, man, you know, you need to preach from a manuscript, you know. Um, okay. You know, when you're first starting out, you need to preach from a manuscript. Uh, and you may not, you know, like that, but I just want you to get in the habit early on of understanding that planning what you say keeps you from saying things you don't plan, you know, and um, and also it helps others who are listening to you, you know, and, and want to help you in this in your in fulfilling your calling uh, to be able to walk with you through it, you know, having anticipated what you're going to say and yeah. then having looked forward to how you said it. Yeah. And so I think that, too, keeps them from going that hour and a half, you sure. know, say, yeah, hey, you know, we're going to stick to the script. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're describing like this, um, you know, the act of raising up the next generation of, of preachers. It sounds like it involves the whole church, that it involves a, a leader who's who's willing to take a risk or to, to let go. And also to help, it involves the, the the young person who's who's ready to take instruction and you know you know stick to the script, <laughs> and then also the congregation that's saying like we want to we want to hear and we'll also you know to to a healthy degree to give to give feedback to help this person get better. Yeah, and you know I grew up in a uh, you know in a uh, black Baptist tradition. In the Black Baptist tradition, that's what you had, you know. You had, um, you know, a desire always to raise up young preachers. And then there was always a desire, a a commitment in that congregation to encourage young preachers. Um, And so, and there was nothing formal about it. You know, there was no, there was no script. um, There was no uh, syllabus. In which, you know, we went through point B, point A, you know, and there was no there were no classes or anything like that. You learn by observation. Yeah. You know, and then you learn by trial and error, you know, but there was always encouragement, Hmm. you know, and and there was always a sense of community um, where and then there was space for the younger, younger preachers to um, to exercise and learn their gifts. You know, um, now there wasn't too much space. You always knew your place. <laughs> you always knew your place, you know, and because um, you'll you'll get sat down, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And um, you know, if you if you forget your place, uh, you may not have a place <laughs> for very okay. long. So there was always okay. a level of respect. Um, yeah. So it sounds better than nothing. But it sounds like what 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 you're what you're you're doing. It sounds like you had like actual classes, or you had a more like official on ramp for the the teachers and preachers in in your church. If I'm correct, understanding you correctly. Well, um, and and you know, in our church, we have a um, like I said, you know, we kind of try to develop platforms in which those guys can, you know, um, on ramp on on ramp into preaching, right? Yeah. Um, and so whether it starts off with um, teaching classes and teaching Sunday school, and then um, we have um, what we call our preaching Wednesdays, you know, and so like once a month, we'd have one of the young guys who aspires to preach uh, on a Wednesday evening, encourage yeah. people to come out and, um, and to listen to them and give them a less intimidating um, you know, setting in which to okay. preach and things so like that. So the people that. that come on Wednesday, they also, to some degree, not to put it negatively, but they know what they're getting in for. Right. They're, 
they're coming to hear they're a new preacher. They're coming to hear a yeah. new young preacher as he's yeah. trying to work through hearing. And it's, I mean, it's been, it's been great. It's been great. Some guys get up there a couple of times and realize, you know, Pastor, this, is, this isn't me. You know, okay. other okay. guys have gotten up there and afterwards, you know, I might tell them, you know what? I don't think this is your, I don't think this is a good fit. <laughs> okay. Okay. And hopefully everyone, hopefully every, you, you all agree, but we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah, there could be some awkwardness, but, uh, but you know, but you know, that's, that's maybe mildly awkward to have a conversation like that, but you know, it's really awkward when you come time to retire and there's nobody to take over, you know? That's that's far more awkward. So it's good to have those awkward interactions now rather than at the end. Yep. Amen, brother. Amen to that. <laughs> um, okay, so speaking about other people in your church, um, I know that you've recently like co-written a, a book with one of the elders um, yeah. of your church called, called Dying to Speak. Would you mind uh, talking to us a little bit about that? Because I think that kind of connects really well with the, with the season that we're in leading up to Easter. Yeah, so um, yeah, I had the privilege of um, writing the book and getting uh, one of the elders here, uh, Lee Fowler, to uh, collaborate with me uh, on it. It's called uh, Dying to Speak, uh, Meditations um, from the Cross, and basically is looking at uh, what we've commonly come to know as the seven last sayings or the seven last words of Christ uh, as he is enduring the, the crucifixion on the cross. And basically, it is an examination of um, those words uh, and what those words um, and how those words speak to us, the redemption that Christ accomplished for us, and in speaking um, that redemption, how that now calls us to be and to live uh, redemptive lives in light of what Christ did and indeed and specifically in light of what he said uh, from the mm-hmm. cross. Yeah. And he was dying to say it. So that's, the, that's how you get the idea of dying to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we at our church and along with many churches, we would have, you know, the Good Friday service where we annually revisit those those seven sayings, um, you know, having different different preachers within the church to come up and, and to share 15 minutes or so on each one of them, which is, you know, for us, it, I thought it was cutting edge when when I, you know, made it up. Turns out everyone does it. <laughs> everyone does it. <laughs> Everyone yeah, I, does it. I thought, man, this well, because yeah, there's the yeah, we called it tenebrae, this Latin <laughs> term. You know, we are just like incredibly, uh, you know, the church of the future. But turns out that's just everyone's been doing that for a long time. We we we've yeah. done it with collaborating with other churches, you know. And yeah. So that's one of the um, days of the year where we find other churches to join with. And have a special um, Good Friday service, and a lot of times it would be going over those um, those seven sayings of Christ. Um, so one, it, it provides our people an opportunity to fellowship um, with church that are not particularly like our church, mm-hmm. um, and then um, and also at the same time to meditate on these you know important words. Absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, I would, I would just, you know, want to commend this book to anybody that's maybe considering that type of service or, or even just probably for, for personal meditation leading up to, to Good Friday. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's available. Is it uh, Presbyterian and Reformed yes. Publishing? Is that right? Yeah, P&R Publishing, Presbyterian and Reformed Publishing. And okay, yeah. um, came out earlier this month. And uh, I would hope, I, I hope it's encouraging. I hope people would... Um, you know, read it and, and be encouraged. There's, there's some uniqueness in the way that we approach it, you know, um, thinking about the imperatives of what Christ was saying, you know, and so that, um, you know, the chapters are, are, um, are entitled, you know, like, be forgiven. So Christ says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In other words, Christ was accomplishing our forgiveness. And so now, um, for us, the call is to be forgiven, live in light of what Christ has done, because God doesn't call us to be anything except what he has provided for us in Christ, you know, and so be that. Mm-hmm. And as you be that, 
then we are now called to be those who offer forgiveness to others. You know, and so each chapter is built along that lines. Yeah. Be who Christ said you are and now live and be that to other people. Yeah. Yeah, the good old uh, indicative imperative. Yeah, but yeah, so so valuable. Um, so that, yeah, I will have a link to that in in the show notes as well as you know you've you've written uh, more books than most people have read. So, <laughs> uh, so I want to yeah highlight that. Could you so yeah so kind of from from pivoting from from there maybe second to last question that I have for you is like so what what is your weekly rhythm? look like? We've, we kind of bounce on that, but like as you're coming up towards, you know, next, next Sunday, what does your, your week look like? Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, I've been, um, you know, I've been writing and preparing, um, sermons for quite a while now. And, um, fact of the matter is unlike probably you, Mike, or most people, I don't know. I write my sermons. I, I write longhand, you know, I, I have a, uh, pad and I don't, I don't write my sermon on the computer. Really? I know. Okay. I, 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 because I just grew up writing. And, sure. you know, whether it's a book or whether it's a sermon, you know, I write, I write it out. And then I, um, then I put it on my computer. Okay. Okay. Which my friends tell me, you mean you write your sermon twice? Yeah. <laughs> And I said, well, I never thought about it like that, but um, I guess I do. Um, uh, I write it in my notebook and then I write it, uh, I type it on my computer. And then I, then I transfer it to my iPad, which I preach from an iPad on Sunday morning. Yeah. You see, so. Uh, I, you know, I, obviously you're, you're a tech savvy guy. Like we're, we're on Zoom right now and everyone's gotten a little bit more tech savvy in 2020. You know, we've all, we've all had to. However, like I, I love stationery and I love pens and yeah. I love nice pencils yep, and, I do too. and good paper. <laughs> what kind of notebooks? What kind of notebooks do you use? Let's 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 talk about notebooks. Do you have them with you? Uh, well, basically, I use a composition notebook that you would okay. probably buy for college or anything like yes. that. You know, uh, I just go to I go to the store and get you know a pack of composition notebooks. That you use in, uh, you know, for exam in any, in any college class, and um, basically have a stack of old sermons in in composition notebooks. Um, oh, Tony, <laughs> there's there's better notebooks out there. In fact, in fact, what do you have, Mike? <laughs> in fact, I'm I'm gonna send you this. I'm gonna send you this. The Leichterm 1917. They're German. And um, these were on sale, and um, the after Christmas sale. Okay, <laughs> I bought an I bought an extra one because I said, you know, I'm going to find somebody to give this to. Oh wow! So I'll get your address after this and, and mail you this. They got like I'm I'm using one I'm using one now. I saw that. Um, yeah, I saw that. You yeah, they got they got such like you know they got the nice elastic. I don't want to turn this into an advertisement for. Although maybe if I do, they'll sponsor the podcast. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's got really great thick paper. Um, if you use like a fountain pen, like it, it like absorbs the ink really well. Doesn't doesn't smear. So I'll send you this. And it, you're using your last composition, composition notebook. notebook. I, I promise you're going to try this, and you're never going to go back. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Mike. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm in my my church office, and right across the street is actually a stationery store. Oh, and see, that's, it's, not it's, that's not it's fair. It's kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's kind of dangerous because yeah. I really like it, and I'll yeah. just go into browse <laughs> and then come out with, like, you know, a new fountain pen or a new notebook. Uh, there's worse addiction. You asked there. about my rhythms for the week. Yeah. And, um, you know, well, Mondays is like my um, down day, my down, my rest day, you know. And so, um, you know, and my honeydew list day. And so I don't I don't come into the office unless there's something particularly that I have to deal with. But if not, then um, and I don't I don't look at the sermon for the next week or anything. I just try to step away from it. Um, Tuesdays, um, spend, um, you know, meetings, meeting with people, addressing the concerns that people may have. So I kind of, a lot time slots in there. And then we have a worship staff meeting too. So there's Tuesdays, 
uh, or for uh, meeting times. And at that point, also, I began to kind of ramp up, you know, in the text, looking at it, reading it in various translations, you know, things like that. Not really writing anything down um, unless there's something particularly that sticks out with me or, okay. um, you know, if something comes to me and I say, I need to write this down because I'm not going to remember it later, <laughs> you know. And so, um, but then Wednesday comes, you know, um, like today. And then now I begin to, you know, really begin to write out, you know, thoughts and looking at the text and um, looking at the languages and, you okay. know, seeing any nuances there that need to be highlighted and things like that. And um, and then Thursday, I actually I actually write. That's when I actually start. I mean, Thursday is just a, a day where I shut the door and, you mm-hmm. know, shut off the phone and let's get it done, you know. Okay. And okay. so spend the bulk of Thursday trying to get it just in kind of the frame of what I want to see the sermon become. Friday becomes the absolute fine-tuning, um, spending a lot of time with commentaries, you know, reading, checking myself making sure I'm not inventing anything new, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And hopefully, hopefully, um, my goal is to finish the sermon by Friday, right? Friday afternoon, Friday evening, that sermon should be on my computer. Okay. It's taken from the pad yes, on my yes. computer yeah. by Friday, Friday afternoon. So you kind of write it for the second time right. on Friday. On Friday, yeah. right. Um that way, too, Saturday is one, it becomes a kind of a, a catch-all day in case something happened during the week. And you know how ministry is. Things happen. Of course. And of I course. get interrupted and not able to do my normal course. And I know I got Saturday to kind of be a buffer if I need it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I tried to leave Saturday open, particularly when our kids were small. I tried to leave Saturday open and so that daddy could be available, you know, for any of their activities and what they're sure. doing. I never wanted them to say that daddy couldn't come because he was preparing a sermon. <laughs> yeah. I had all week to do that. Okay. So, yeah. you know, um, so um, they're not small anymore. So that's not a concern as much as it used to be, mm-hmm. you know. But um, when I was first getting going, I really tried to reserve Saturday if I could. Uh, yeah. To make sure I was. Well, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a gift yeah. to them. Yep. Yep. And uh, and yeah, and it doesn't take that much to just you know, just you know, you're the pastor. That means that you get to actually decide. You know, you're kind of the boss, and not to use these all these these languages, but you know, I kind of realized that too late. But I was like, wait, I'm actually in charge of my own schedule. I actually, I can just prioritize things and it doesn't have to eat into Saturday if I don't let it. That's so, right. That's yeah, right. I'm, I'm kind of saying these are things that I only realized a few years ago yeah. <laughs> and I wish that I started out with that. Wow. For, you know, when I had, you know, my, my, I only had one kid um, for a long time and when he was little, I wouldn't, I, my sermon prep day was Saturday just oh, because wow. that's what, that's what the previous guy did. And I just was like, oh, okay, well. That's what we do. And I had no reason. And it was just, well, just Saturday was when I did it. And my wife would have the kid and I would work on the sermon on Saturday. And then I realized, like, I don't have to do it. Can, you know, <laughs> so just, I'm just sharing my stupidity, you yeah, know. And yeah, yeah anyway, hopefully, awesome. hopefully there's no other idiots out there that are willingly <laughs> choosing Saturday when right. they don't have to. Now, have. now, there are bivocational guys out there yes. and that, that's the reality. Yes. But I'm just saying that, that for me, Having been full time ministry, I just for some reason just thought Saturday was the most godly day to do it. And you know, sorry, honey, can you just take the kid? Yeah. And daddy. Well, needs to and go. you know whether or not it's, it's Saturday. I think for me the thing was, um, there needs to be a time when my kids were off, and I was off. Mm-hmm. You know, for me that was it because you know whenever they had activities, I didn't. I never wanted them to say. That you know, Daddy couldn't participate because he was doing a sermon. Yeah, you know, he was doing his sermon, and so then yeah. the sermon becomes a thing they associate with not having their dad around. 
you know, and I never wanted that. And so for other guys, it may be other days, you know, where their kids are off and they spend that and they're able to spend that time with them. For me, it was Saturday. For a lot of guys, it'll be Saturday because that's when kids are usually off. But other guys may have other days. I just encourage guys to have some time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is this is taking a turn. This, is, you know, yes, it has. fathering advice yes, with, it has. Uh, with Tony yes, Carter. It has. But I, yeah, maybe somebody needs to hear this. Uh, uh, so, and actually, I'm looking at that. We've actually gone longer than I, I don't want to. I know this is an important day for you, so I don't want to monopolize too much of your time. Um, if I could have one one last question, and this could be a short answer, uh, what's an area that you're trying to get better at? Yeah, that is a good question. I ask preachers. I know that. it is. <laughs> it's a great I, question. I ask <laughs> because we have so much to learn from you, but also yeah. to see that, you know, like you're learning as well. Yes. Like you haven't arrived. No. So where do you want to get better? No, I ask that to preachers all the time. It kind of shocks them. I don't care how old they are. I ask them, I say, how are you, how are you getting better at preaching, man? Wow. You know, what are you working on? <laughs> and for me, you know, it's working on. Um, Controlling the the uh, controlling the sermon and not allowing the sermon to control me. Okay, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, allowing my myself to express myself within the context of the of the message and with the context of the text. You know, but um, sometimes you know the tendency, at least for me, is to uh, move beyond, move beyond the text, right? And to and to move into things that are beyond the text, okay. you know. And I always have that temptation, you know. And I'm saying, you know, okay, control yourself, <laughs> control yourself, uh, sure, control sure. your emotions, control your thoughts, you know, um, and allow the text to drive the sermon, um, and not your own you know, thoughts, opinions, and emotions wow. about any particular idea or something. Because you're, you'll be preaching the text, man, and certain emotions will come out in you yeah. and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm always having to, okay, control that, um, you know. And it's, it's, it's a task. It's a task. And I think the, the better sermons, you know, are those where the sermon is, the text is driving the message, the text is driving the sermon, um, more so than the preacher is, right? Yeah. And um, and I'm still trying to learn that, man. I'm still trying to learn. Okay. That, you know. Well, it's you're, you're a role model in that you're yeah continuing to desire to to improve, you know. But from from Psalm 20, from John chapter one and two that I've listened to, you know that that seemed to be there already. But you know, uh, may the Lord bless you as you look to even improve in that. Well, Tony, yeah, thanks so much for your time um, and even this extra bonus time at the end. I hope that uh, this doesn't cause you to bleed over into Saturday because I, ah, I took up too much of your right. sermon. <laughs> I know that's right. Let's hope not. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so very much. Um, where where can where can we? There'll be links, I guess, for um, for the the book and other stuff. But where can people hear these sermons? How can we how can we connect? Yeah, you can go to our website. All of our messages are on our website at um, epointchurch.org, you know, and, um, you know, you can just Google East Point Church, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, it'll come up. But um, yeah, all of our sermons there, um, you know, because of COVID, we we do Facebook Live, you know, and so on our Facebook page, all of our sermons our whole services, in fact, are archived there, as well as we have a YouTube channel that archives our services now as well. So okay. COVID has made us have to adjust and do that. Um, but even before COVID, you can go to our website and find all the audio downloads. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your, your ministry and your service to the Lord and to others. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. God bless. Absolutely. Yeah. My privilege. Well, man, that was great. Uh, Tony was a, just an absolute delight to speak to. I, I loved learning from him and having that great conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed listening as well. Uh, just a reminder that the link to his most recent book, uh, Dying to Speak, 
is there in our show notes. Uh, could be a great thing for you to get in these weeks leading up to Good Friday. I uh, just want to give that an extra, an extra plug and remind you about that. Okay, so next week I have a wonderful conversation with my friend Brian Stupar from Calvary San Luis Obispo. And we speak about the importance of the preacher's character. And he talks not just about the weekly rhythms that produce sermons, but the lifetime rhythms that produce men of character and godliness that cumulatively probably speaks louder than any single sermon ever will. So here is kind of an extended teaser for next week's episode. Make sure that you're subscribed so that it automatically shows up in your phone or in your device next Tuesday. Well, as always, I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. I think to just realize, like, God's made me to be me. Um, my voice is a voice that He, as a gift, has given to me. It doesn't mean it's going to resonate with, with you know, thousands and thousands of people on Instagram, which, you know, I don't have thousands and thousands of followers and, um, but it might resonate with some. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the, the culture that we live in, in terms of at least Christian context that has kind of created, um, a celebrity status for well-known people. I think more so than ever, there's been a greater suspicion cast over all that. And so I think there's a, for me personally, over the past multiple years of just realizing, I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful to Jesus. And if my voice goes beyond my city, that's awesome. But, you know, my aim is not to do that. My aim is to really just be faithful as a pastor and as a teacher, Bible teacher to those whom God brings in my local context. Um, and that, that requires me to be really faithful myself to, you know, maintain my character, before Jesus, uh, which, you know, involves needing to have certain habits that are uh, developmental for my spiritual status, my, you know, my, my walking with Jesus, you know, wanting to be a good dad, good husband. Um, all of those things are really important to the heart of Jesus. I think how that, all of that actually plays into how I perceive being a Bible teacher today. Um, you know, I think over the past 20 years, you know, like many, maybe even 30 years, um, I've just watched consistently like wave after wave after wave of really quote unquote successful preacher who had, you know, a large footprint, um, and has grown and has been recognized, but there's been something about their inner development as a follower of Jesus that has, has not been, healthy. And that's brought about the destruction, not only of their own ministry, their life, but it's actually caused the entire edifice of their preaching career to come crashing in. So in other words, at the end of the day, their preaching um, ministry has been only as strong as the character that it is built upon that. And, you know, again, without naming names, because I think we already know who those names are, but, you know, over the past five years, of just watching many super well-known people, you know, even apologists and people that have studied scripture that, that I would say are really gifted yeah. Um, yeah. that their inner core of, of who they are as a human being was, uh, was, was not up to par, was not uh, in alignment with, with King Jesus. And I think that brought everything down. So I think for me, just, I, I, I have a good friend of mine that, pastor to church in, in our city. And I, I don't know how much this podcast will be listened to on the central coast may, unless I post it, but, um, uh, I have a good friend of mine that basically had some character challenges. He was a pastor and his entire world kind of came collapsing in. So I, I remember just thinking, gosh, this guy lived and created so much. The church, his influence was very broad, very wide. Um, and yet, because of some of these character elements that were not fully um, 
in a right place, it caused all of his preaching to crumble. So I think in our modern world, if you're a young pastor, or, you know, old pastor, and you're like, hey, I want my preaching to matter, then I would say what you need to do first and foremost is not try to figure out how to create a podcast, write a book, you know, craft a series of, you know, uh, easy to follow along sermons. Um, but live a life that's uh, full of character before the heart of God. Um, and that's first and foremost, because if that's not in place, then all of these other um, auxiliary aims will come crashing in on themselves.